tro tro welcome to James True Live. Some people like to call me dark. Does this perspective make me look dark right now? Do I look dark to you? Do I seem dark? Hello, Friday. Hello, Friday. Hello. Hello. Why am I so much taller now? I seem to have gained some posture since Wednesday. I guess in the evening. Man, I need to fix this. This little part of my my wall right here, right? So you see the cows? And if you look right up above the middle of the cows, you'll see that there's this is uh, old school paneling. And it's uh, had some moisture damage a long time ago, and it right, and it swelled, and it and it and it split, and then it's since dried. And I'm not gonna freaking pull out that sheet. Are you kidding? Why would I pull out that entire sheet of paneling? When no one notices, I just have to never talk about it, right? And as long as I don't talk about it, then no one will ever see it. And and if I could see it, I can just... Look, watch this. Or... Or... Some of you guys on the podcast are like, uh... Look, look, look. Now it's gone. Right? And no one... No one will ever know. No one will ever know. I'm trying to do like a cool shot where this guy knows where he's like looking and he's like, dude, I know. I was, and when I say this guy, I mean like the green dude right here. Anyway, um, I wonder how long it's going to take me to get the camera back. Let's see. Oh, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> I hope you're having fun. Um, I think if I hit 86, is that it? Wait, 65? Wow, I really messed this up. Wow. What if I hit home? Does that do anything? No, that's not it. <laughs> we actually have a show. I swear this is not the show. This is so, so not the show. There's actually a lot of, of things that are coming at you right now. I got some serious slides going on. I swear. <laughs> I swear. You have to believe me. I actually wanted to get my other camera on today, but uh, it doesn't always work, so... Okay, so I guess this is, maybe this is where we're back, and, and now we will all have to see. That's just the way it is. So, um, and that's okay, we, because um, um, I want to talk today about, about uh, things that are used for escaping, right? Um, that's the wrong window. Where's the... There it is. There it is. Now, Ted, if you want to be, if you want to join our town, you're going to have to kiss that goat, Ted. You're going to have to kiss it. You're going to have to look it right in the eyes, and you're going to have to kiss it in front of all of us, and we're going to watch you, Ted. And if you do that, you can join the union. But don't you think for a minute that we'll ever forget. That's how it's done here, Ted. So pucker up, Billy. Pucker up and say hi to Billy. Um, so, as we know, through history, there's been many times where... I'm not muted. Uh, there's been many times where uh, uh, we have used other animals to facilitate our psychological uh, prawn economy, right? 
where we will have to uh, invoke some sort of ritual and completely use animals to uh, to survive. Do you know one of the most famous forms of doing this is putting them in your belly? That the very first way that we utilize animals for our prana economy is that we find a great amount of energy, many of us do, I should say, from swallowing them. We'll cook them first because we're not savage. But, but by putting their magic in our belly, we digest all of their energy and they give it to us. Or so that's how we, we frame it. So what I'm talking about today should not be looked at as an exclusive hobby of old school so-and-sos, right? Of uh, whatever it is we're going to talk about today. N- none of you should be looking at it as, well, that's exclusive to them. That we... We are practicing scapegoat technology right now uh, on on every form of animal. And it's just an interesting observation uh, that I want you to be aware of before we begin. And so we shall. There's Old Testament scapegoat technology. Of course, most of us are probably the most familiar with this. Some of you will know the word scapegoat, but maybe some of you haven't actually heard that the word scapegoat came from the Old Testament. And when I say the Old Testament, it's not just them. There's uh, a lot of cultures <clears throat> that practice this. It's just, I'm just saying the most popular form that you would find this in would be in the Old Testament. It's the idea of invoking a goat to facilitate you feeling better about yourself psychologically. And when I say invoke, I, I mean, I mean kill. I mean ritually murder in in one of two ways. And that one of these two ways could not be decided by you because if it was decided by you, that would be savage and you would be you would be abusing an animal. So no no no. No, we're gonna let we're gonna let Yahweh decide. And Yahweh is going to decide because he's going to invoke lots. And you and I are going to draw lots because that's the way Yahweh is speaking to us. And when Yahweh tells us, we will, we will give a choice to Yahweh to pick one of two goats and to say, this goat will be the goat of our sin, and this goat will be the goat of our Azazel. And you might have thought, well, well, wait a minute. I thought that the scapegoat was the one for the sin. No, 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 it's cute. It's cute that you thought that. It's cute that I thought that. It's cute that I thought that the initial concept of that ritual was that w- one goat was allowed to go free and the other was basically doomed to be the scapegoat. But no, no, no. They actually both die. Okay, the first goat dies for your sin, and he's actually the winner. <laughs> he's actually, he's the, he won the contest. And this is Yahweh's goat. And he sacrifices a sin sacrifice for Yahweh himself. The other goat is the scapegoat. And that's, this goat, that's the goat that has to be taken out of town. And that goat is specifically for someone or something. And that someone or something is Azazel. Azazel. How do you pronounce it? It's going to be up to you. Azazel? There's all kinds of ways I'm sure you can find. And uh, you guys uh, uh, will pick your own. Your own form there, but but uh, um, Azazel is this concept. It's a literal 
black hole in in your plasma space where you, psychologically you were allowed to put all of your trespasses into this one spot and they disappear. And this happens once a year on Yom Kippur. It's a special event. It's not you can't just pull pull a goat out of your pocket whenever you're having a bad day and say, say what are you doing, Reggie? It's like I just need to sacrifice this goat. It doesn't work that way. At least according to this one Old Testament tradition, which is on Yom Kippur. And before this ritual even began, did you know that you first had to sacrifice a bull and a ram before you could even get started, before you could even get this far? You would be doing this to two other animals. And so the psychological uh, venting that's occurring should not be ignored. You really should just just consider. I, I don't I don't if you can get past the judgment, and when I say judgment, if you're judging it as cool or as bad, I don't really care. I, I, I need you to compassionate further though, because I want you to understand the psychological matrix of what what it was like for psychology. This is why I talk about ego, because I want you to know that that when you have enough plasma, your ego comes online. Ego means I. The I of you comes online only when there's enough plasma in the field. Your body is that field. And when you slip below that plasma, you enter into an autonomous state. We call this the NPC state. Some, some of us uh, refer to it now as that. We might call it sheep. We might call it sleeping. We might call it all kinds. We might call it Democrat. We might call it Republican, right? We might call it Magatarian. It doesn't really matter because enough plasma builds up in the system and all of a sudden something comes online and that something that comes online is called the I or the ego. The ego comes online. But before that ego came online, you were not just looking at people that believe in, in things like voting. You're not just... You're not just in the world where people believe that Iran is still, still six months away from the nuclear bomb. After 50 years, they're, they are still six months away from the nuclear bomb. You're, you're in that world, yes, but it's so much more dense. So many less people are online. Less eyes are on the field. Jesus was one of the eyes, wasn't he? Jesus was online. And he said, walked around, everyone else said, dude, you're online. And he's like, yeah, I know, man. Let's go, let's fucking hang. Let's, let's be online together, was Jesus. And that eye, it was helping him as much as it was helping the other eyes, right? We all find connection in this online. But before we had that, you were living in a culture that wasn't just about six boosters. It was intense, man. It was like, what do you believe? If you do not sacrifice this, and hey, I'll even pick on the pagans today. Well, there's a fucking thing I rarely do, right? I will even pick on the pagans today. Because the same kind of things that were happening in Rome, right? It's 1015, you've not given your sacrifice to the sacred idol of, of Titiwonkas. And he's like, oh, but I've ran out of Titiwonkas, Sage. It's like, well, then you've committed blasphemy, which is a $150 fine. And basically, it was like fucking parking tickets in Rome, right? A parking ticket because you were not assembling the right sacrifice at the right time to the right God. And all of these things occurred in public. They were public transactions, much like, hold your seats, crypto fans, much like a crypto ledger. 
where the prana was out on the street and everyone could see the ledger and everyone knew how devout you were because you were showing it. Same kind of concept as mourning, right? Hey, lady, you can only mourn for six weeks. You can, and we need you to wail like a fucking insane person for those six weeks. But on six weeks in day one, we will literally fucking stone you if you walk out of your house wearing black and if you start complaining again. You cannot fucking bring it up again. But during those six weeks, if you don't wail like a crazy histrionic bitch, we will stone you too. <laughs> that is, I swear to fuck, that is where you and I gained our roots. That is the mud of our lotus. We came from that. I'm telling you we did. And we needed at that time an animal technology that we could tap into. We needed a technology that could showcase our prana economy and allow us to fucking not explode. Literally. To not explode. And when I say explode, I would argue that most of the people that were stoned in times like this, with the exception of just like vagrant theft, right? The exception of things like that, I would say most of the time it would be the eye. On the streets of Rome, every now and then an eye would pop up. And that eye, if he's able to survive, if he's able to have his medal, if he's able to prove himself on the, on the, on the, on the streets of slavery, if the eye can prove himself as autonomous or sovereign on the streets of slavery, sovereign's a better word there, that that eye could become a patriarch, right? And that, that patriarch is the very thing that we are still cursing today. We're still doing it. Why? Because so many people are not online, are they? They're not online. I said the other day in Airship, uh, I is a person you've never met. And I, I, I hope that rings in you because I want you to know that I existed before you came online. And what is I? It's the suitcase that's decoded from all your DNA, which means your epigenetic layers... The shells of your ancestors inside each other are all revealed in one, one compressed, beautiful field called I. And that I has urges, it has skills, it has weakness, it has addictions, it has redemption songs, it has uh, epigenetic ancient pain, it has epigenetic ancient success. All of these things are, are the conglomeration of who I is. I is not you. Stop... Stop walking around all arrogant like, yeah, I invented I. You did not fucking invent I. I was here while you were shitting between your taint. And you were like, what is this juice between me? I, I was here long before that. You gained the privilege of holding the plasma of I. That's what happened. You gained the privilege of being able to hold its hand for a while. And that's how you get to know yourself. You get to know yourself by holding your hand. And that hand's been here for 200,000 years, right? And until your eye comes online, you have an automatic system that will do anything it can to preserve and finish its circuit, right? A circuit. When an electronic device breaks, most of you say, me don't understand, me throw it away. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying that that's what most of you do. I, I, I am too. I'm pretty ignorant. But <clears throat> I know a little bit. And a lot of times you can open that thing up and you can, and you can look it around. It, uh, not all the time, but a lot of times. Some people are good enough where they could do it all the time. But you open it up and you'll see and you'll be, oh, look at this. Here's this brown spot right by this capacitor. 
And you could take, you know, those pliers, you cut out that capacitor. And you can, if you don't have that capacitor, because you've never done this before, right? You can go on Amazon and you can look at the rating of that capacitor. You can look it up. You can order the same one and you'll get 17 capacitors. You'll get 16 capacitors in a, in a bag and they'll be shipped to you and they'll have the same number on it. And the whole thing costs you like $1.95. And you get home, the most frustrating thing will be opening the bag. That literally will be the most frustrating part of this whole process is the fucking bag. It's like, because you don't know where to keep scissors. Do I keep them upstairs? Do I keep downstairs? Three years ago, you bought a 12-pack. But where the fuck are they? You think they're in the garage. Why the fuck are they in the garage? Because that one time you needed scissors, right? So you miss all this stuff. But that capacitor, is, it's boom, two solder clicks, boom. That thing works again. It works again. Why? Because it's circuit broke. And and if you did not have, if, if that if that object had enough technology in it, it would have sentience. And that's and I'm not suggesting it needs it. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather you buy the capacitor. Hey, I'd rather you do that. I'd rather you learn to have a soldering gun. I know there will be houses from soldering accidents. Yeah, I get it. This is how we learn, right? I'm getting way off topic here. We actually have a lot of slides. But the point is you can repair that thing. You, and if it had enough sentience, it would actually shut itself down before that repair happened. It would create other events that would seem rash, irrational. Where all of a sudden the thing would start to flicker its lights and then it would shut down. You would call that irrational, but actually the sentience was, was activating its preservation so the circuits could survive. And that's what your body does. And that's what it's been doing, no matter if you're online or not. When you're online, you're simply visiting the bridge of I, of who you are. And I swear, you're more getting to know yourself than anyone else there. You simply bequeath the privilege of having inherited it. That's really. And just as anyone who's inherited this great, uh, majestic, uh, uh, estate, you don't actually know what's in every drawer. You don't know what's on every floor. You don't, you don't know. You're getting to know yourself. It's a very, very similar kind of a way. And we do things that are so ashamed we block them out of our history. We say they didn't happen. And we use animals for that. Before goats, we tried skate birds. We had skate birds. And if someone was suffering from leprosy, oh, James, I don't like his fingers. They're distracting. Do something about his fingers. No, no, I'm going to want you to look at his fingers. I want you to look. Look at how retarded AI is right now. Yeah, look at it. You hate this now? Wait till it's perfect. Just you wait till it's perfect. You will long for the day that James True showed you slides where people had retarded fingers. Anyway, we tried skatebirds. And if you had leprosy, the it sucks because a bird was going to have to die. And unlike the scapegoat, the scapebird, one of the birds actually lived. He was he was he was uh so so one bird was killed. And his blood was sprinkled over the lucky bird. So if you were lucky, you basically were covered in the, in the, the, the death shame of your friend. And now you are a bird who's carrying survivor syndrome, right? Guilt syndrome for the rest of your life. And thank God you do not have an ego online. Because the amount of weight, that would burn your circuit out. And I don't think that bird could fly away. I don't think it could happen. I think it'd end up as a disabled veteran under the bridge. And all of us would be driving by saying, thank you for your services. This pigeon's like covered in crusty blood. Just like, what the fuck happened to me? 
And the truth is, is that no one knows because some dude had leprosy and you don't, you don't even get to see the patient. You don't even know if what you did helped. So we tried skateboards. We tried skate women. Zachariah's vision of the woman in the basket, right? Some of you may remember this. The idea was that, uh, um, I, I think I've got another slide that shows you this better. Uh, the idea of the skate woman, a rite resembling on the one hand the sending off of the ephah with the woman embodied wickedness in the midst of the land of Shinar. Basically, uh, a lead talon, some, like a 120-pound lead cover was inserted into a basket, and all of the sin, all the sin was placed on this woman under this lead cover, and that that basket was sent to the land of Shinar. Why is Shinar important? Because that's the Tower of Babel. And if you understand the psychology, keep in mind there's an oracle of mythology, and when all of us are offline, the oracle of mythology is crystal crystal clear it is fucking crystal clear when we are offline the most wonderful thing happens we are being completely honest <laughs> we are not lying actively you know why because we don't have enough plasma that's all that's all it's the only reason why but we're we're more innocent it's kind of like the japanese that like have vending machines with with underwear, the the fact that that's in out in public and that's like accepted as like normalcy, you should consider a gift because you're you're able to see the the pure raw depravity, and there's no shame hiding it. And I'm saying that before people come online, you have this oracle of truth because you can discern the scaffolding from the autopilot. The autopilot is giving away the scaffolding of consciousness that's not online. That's what's happening. And our hatred of the Tower of Babel is what? Is our hatred of the loss of the last reset. Right? The last time that, that our psychic memories, our collective psychic memories, have deep in our salt ingrained this other part of history where we were just as advanced as we were now is the land of Shinar. And we would take all of our sin and cast it to that because we are still living through this mass cataclysmic psychological traumatic event that's resonating through our mythology. And this isn't victimology because it's divination. It's divination that we still feel trauma because trauma itself is a divining fucking device. It's a black mirror and when you understand your trauma, you can see the past and you can see the future all in one. Which means trauma was never like, oh yeah, I've got trauma. Oh, my trauma is so horrible. It's almost as bad as mine. And then you, and it's, oh, your trauma is even worse. Oh my God, let me lick your trauma. Oh, let me lick your trauma. That actually, no, trauma is this beautiful resonance. It's an aura. And that aura tells you everything you want to know about the shaman that you're with, right? The trauma invokes the shaman. You can't help it. Shamans don't go to shaman school, right? Shamans get squeezed. Don't squeeze the shaman. Would mean there would be no shaman. The shaman is squeezed through vitriol, right? And tear, enter the interior of the earth and squeeze the shaman. And the shaman is squeezed. And Mr. Ripple, Mr. Whipple, none the wiser. If any of you know who Mr. Whipple is, Hats off to you. 
this uh, scape woman kind of worked, except for, man, do you know how hard it is to convince a chick to get in a basket under 120 talent of lead and to let the entire village declare her the cause of sin? I'll tell you how hard it is. It's so hard that, that we're, we, we kept trying it over and over again. And we had no choice but to literally build fires and, and, and tie these women to sticks. And, and did you know the same way that the scapegoat technology works? Sip of water. The same way the scapegoat technology worked, where, or, I mean, where the scapebird technology worked. The way that, that, that you would burn the witch is the person that actually tied, tied the, the witch, uh, the uh, alleged witch. Although, I think she's a witch. And I think we need to honor that. I think every woman who was ever burned at the stake for witchcraft should automatically be indoctrinated as an honorary witch, if that makes sense. Why? Because they became the fire shaman. They became that shaman, which means they were turned into a witch if they were not a witch already, and they would be more powerful than any witch you've ever seen because they were survived the fire. But James, they died in the fire. Not until they died, they survived. And all that shaman things would be there, which means they would dilate and see everything that was happening to them. And when that stake was thrown up in the air, the person was allowed to leave the stake suspended and let go as if to cast lots. And that lot was which way would that fall? And if it fell into the fire, well, that's just Yahweh doing his thing. And we'd invoke the same concept. Scape woman, scape goat, scape bird. All of it because we cannot come online. All of it until we learn to come online. Remember, one goat for Yahweh, one goat for Azazel. Why were we sacrificing a goat? to the very concept of evil itself? Why were we giving it the same alms? Why would we choose the two best goats we could and draw lots on them? Were we honoring Yahweh or were we honoring Azazel or were we honoring both? This is the biggest lesson I think we have about the technology of belief is understanding what worship is, what sacrifice is, where your attention goes, plasma grows. Oops. Aaron, right, this is the brother of Moses, Leviticus 16. Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live billy goat and confess over it all the inequities and transgressions of the Israelites, whatever their sins, putting them on the head of the billy goat, and it shall be sent off to the wilderness through a designated man. Thus the billy goat shall carry on it all the inequities to an inaccessible region, this is the Azazel, and the billy goat shall be sent off to the wilderness. He who sent off the billy goat for Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body. After that, he may re-enter camp. And so the circuit is done. The entire circuit is complete. 
important part of this is that the billy goat has to be brought to the temple for this to occur. And it has to be on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the only time of the year where every single person participating in a faith is going to allow one of them, only one, the high priest, to go into a place that no one is ever allowed to go into. That for an entire year, they keep a room that no one can go into. Except for on this one time. And as soon as he comes out, the very, very first thing this high priest does is choose a scapegoat. So I want you to understand how important this psychological circuit was. Do you understand why we're calling it a circuit now? Do you get that? It's a circuit. It opens the gate. And that gate cannot be opened until the capacitor is filled, which is what Yom Kippur is doing. The seriousness, the sacredness, the uh, uh, discriminatory small parts of it being one time a year, scarcity, is at the heart of all magic. One of you despises me saying that, but you probably don't listen to me anyway, but scarcity is at the heart of all magic. That, that, that in and of itself is what makes you special, that your witness is purely powered by the fact of how sacred and scarce you are. That is at the heart of the value of your witness, which is why what you choose to do is so crucial because it literally shapes the quality and timber of that witness to begin with. And deep in your bones and deep in my bones, before we came online, you and I were fucking strangling goats and pushing them off cliffs because we couldn't cope with being wrong. Did not have the plasma to say, hey, I was wrong about this, right? And so Azazel grew. Do you understand? We allocated all of our failed coming onlineness. We allocated into a central container, capacitor, labeled Azazel. Do you realize that Azazel is an IP address? There is a verbal landscape where you can access every single thing that has occurred in the world. And when, when one of us creates a new word, we instantiate it from the library, which allows it to create its own life. It has its own form, right? And that that form can be accessed in a quasi-objective way. I say quasi because it's an objectivity that we've created inside a relativistic space, isn't it? It's fascinating. And you do the same inside your patriarchy. This is a literal definition of the patriarchy, which means you understand that a patriarch in Rome is the same as a sovereign individual. It's the same as a nuclear family. It is a circuit that's been created. A circuit has been created inside that home. And there is a mother circuit. And there is a father circuit. There's a child circuit. And all of these circuits are a prana economy. And they all go back to what we had to do to come online. <laughs> James is talking about the ego like it's coming online and I don't like it because he's suggesting that like we're like some kind of like sentient biological intelligence. Oh. Oh, I see what he's doing. So, wow, James, my entire organic structure, right? My organ, all of the orgasms inside me, right? All of the organs. That's all an organ is, is this orgasm of creation. What is the liver doing? I can recreate myself. Watch. Boom. 
and that all these systems have their own sentience, your pancreas has its own identity. It knows who it is. It knows to create the right T-cells to say, dude, I need some more pancreas over here. Yeah, I'd like to expand this part of the pancreas for company. Yes, I'd like to bring some company in sometimes, and this part of the pancreas would be wonderful. And so all these organs have already been online. They've been online a long time. This I, if anything, would be artificial inside your system. It would be this I. I only say that because it's a conglomeration of everything else, but this is what all life is. Every one of your neurons has no, no synaptic information that connotates thought, right? And that the thoughts that you render that you had, you render that you have thoughts. And why do you render them? Because you're watching the waves, the flotsam and jetsam of all these neurons acting in as a tide, as a collective species. You're not concerned with the vector of every drop of water. You're concerned with the vector of the collection of the water that has declared itself one. All of those drops of water have said, we, we, we are the ocean. The same way all of your orgasms, all of your organs combined and said, we are the eye. And that eye is giving a sentience. And that sentience is a kingdom, and that kingdom is you. And a lot of goats had to die for you to get here. So Azazel is this desolate place. Its name, uh, biblical interpretation is Azaz, rugged, and El, strong. Rugged, strong. We are sending our sacrifice to the rugged strong. We are worshiping the rugged and the strong by declaring our scapegoat. And so by that, we are reaching for the I to come online. And we do that by sacrificing our own calories or because we do not yet afford the luxury of being able to sacrifice our own calories for plasmatic means because we don't understand that concept yes, we would sacrifice the calories of an animal in its place. And so you can understand that we'd never stop sacrificing. We're still taking red blood cells, charging them with the vector of our will, and holocausting them. What happens when you sweat? You evaporate red blood cells. What is that evaporation? It's a gas chamber. They are expunged. The will is expunged into the air and it has no choice but to create something in its place. Why? Because the conservation of energy. If you are a gifted shaman, you will holocaust your red blood cells and create something beautiful every time. That's what the artist is, a holocauster of vectored will in a very precise way. The drawing of lots itself is this reaching for authority outside of ourselves. The Bible practiced divination. 
through Claromancy 70 times in the Bible. 70 times lots is mentioned in the Bible. I think this is fascinating because when you read Deuteronomy 18, chapters 9 through 13, which I'm going to read for the podcasters, you start to see a massive hypocrisy. When you enter the land of the Lord, your God is giving you. Do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, and who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord, Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Now, the calling of lots was considered okay because the calling of lots was strictly asking Yahweh for his opinion. And so really, when you look at what Deuteronomy is saying is, is don't you fucking dare use any kind of divination that's not Yahweh. And this is really at the heart of the meaning of the Holy Ghost. There is one sin in the Bible that is completely unforgivable. It says so. There is one sin. You can blaspheme God. You can blaspheme Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary. You can blaspheme Jesus. You can blaspheme your neighbors, your preacher, your own parents. But don't you dare blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Did you know that's in the Bible? It's unforgivable. And the reason why it's unforgivable is because people were trying to bring their eye online. And this was giving them a framework to do it. And I'm telling you, this is why we have Republicans and Democrats. As detestable as you might find the two-party system, I want you to see that that too is the trauma shaman doing its work. That you're watching them learn these lessons And you're watching them slowly, slowly find a way to bring their eye online. Aye, right? So we went from pushing goats off cliffs to kissing them. And as the uh, Puritan eye, the very first eye that came online was the Puritan, wouldn't you say? The staunch, the Puritanical eye. I'm not trying to speak specifically about the Puritan philosophy, by the way, but the the self-righteous, willing to literally kill anyone in the world who disagrees. That that's the very first eye that came online, right? It's very uh, stringent, had zero calories to adapt or to consider other possibilities, which is why Azazel is so important, as you're about to see. And we had a pushback from that. And the pushback from that is we started kissing goats. That we'd have these, these Sabbath events and 
And the, the beautiful witches in our village, thank God, the beautiful witches in our village were like, I cannot fucking take this puritanical eye shit. And they would go out and they, oh man, the image. They would place a stick between their legs and follow it in the woods. This would be a secret place or so they'd say. When the secret, when really what they're doing is they are drawing lots too. And no different in Rome, you will take two sticks, one is shorter than the other. You will always designate the shorter stick means you win. That's just how they did it in lots. I think it's part of this humbling thing. And that the Sabbath witches did the same thing. They would divine on these sticks, but they would place the sticks up right up against their genitals and, and listen and follow them. And they would take them to the forest and say, this is the place where we can release. That's what they were doing. This is the place where our circuit can release. What, they, what were they doing? We're tapping into the circuitry of Gaia. The circuit could interface. You could call it a recharge. I think it's more appropriately a dump. I'd like for you to picture that the batteries that, that, we, that we have that, that run things, I know it looks like that they lose their charge. But that charge itself is more of like a clean system. And as you lose charge, you simply have gotten dirty. What, why has it gotten dirty? Because the two things have mixed. Really what's happening in the battery, right? The battery doesn't have something that it didn't have before. What happens is the battery gains order. You know this, right? You recharge a lipo. The first thing Zeus does comes in and says, All right, this half. You are all positive. And they're all like, yay, we're positive. And this half, you were all negative. And they're like, what the fuck, dude? We just fucking ran. We ran. We kept a phone on for. And then they burn in this effigy of Zeus. And he literally declares them as such. So what happens when you charge a battery is Zeus comes in and invokes order. That's all. He simply moves the catalyst. Anodes over here. Cathodes over here. Don't you dare fucking move. He threatens them all. If you fucking conglomerate, I will break you. That's what Zeus says. And you pull that battery out and you stick it in your drill and it fucking works, man. And the whole time while it works, they're degrading. What does degrading mean? The batteries are finding peace with each other. That's really what's happening. That's why I'm telling you that when we understand what a circuit is, our psychological circuit, we see that this is not a system where we're out there trying to gain power we must have a power it's a system where our bodies are so fucking efficient they're gathering so much electricity that we're waking up with so much electricity we have to find a way to offload it that's how powerful we are but we don't want to claim that much power it's scary as shit so we have all this technology that we built up right humility fetishes victimhood olympics massive war massive corruption all these things are allowing us to shed our electricity so we don't have to look at how powerful we are. You don't think we do that? Look at what we did to goats. Look at what we did to birds. Look at what we did to our chicks. We put them in baskets with a talent of lead. Then we burn them. Of course we do this. Of course we would. But we, we, we changed from this idea of killing the goat that the witches were smart enough to know, no, 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 we have to kiss it. And by kissing the goat, you were releasing your eye. You were debasing yourself in the exact same way a hermetical order will do it. You were the Templars before they were Templars. You were the Templars of vagina. You understood the exact same way of how to clear the circuit, and it went in a different direction. 
And I think if anything was keeping us alive, if anything was keeping our emotional uh, radar alive, it was rituals like this. This is the only way that, that we survive. It's the only way. And when you look at, at how, how the story spread, it turned from the kissing of goats to, no, they were kissing them on their anus. And no, 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 they, they were declaring the goat the devil. And no, no, they were worshiping the goat. And, and when you read the stories of this, you were actually reading these stories of parties in the woods where the goat was declared in charge. That the way that they would release all that power is to say, this goat is in charge and, and let the goat enjoy the party. You, you've been to a senior party in school. You, you've seen the same thing happen. This is a technology we use because we are clever circuits. We're brilliant circuits. King James was all about the anti-goat. Mentioned the idea, sorry, this image is so poor, the screenshot, but, but basically, uh, you don't even need to read this, but it's more of a reminder for me, but he's speaking uh, to the uh, idea of magic. And he's describing what, what kinds of magic, and he speaks about, or, or even the healing of forspoken goats. And what that means is, is that um, a, a goat would be bewitched and that King James was now the, 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 the same Christian was insisting that the very same right which created his Christianity be considered evil. And that speaking anything into a goat, knitting a rune tree, which is literally uh, pulling a stick out, and carving some symbols or runes in them as you think about what you want to happen to your body, invoking your placebo effect, basically. Knitting of trueries, various kinds of herbs, basically using any kind of herbs. Invoking the hair or tails of goats. Anything at all is evil. And you're watching that, that eye try and learn to be flexible and it's doing a horrible job because it's just coming out of the ground and that's what happens right when you watch someone come online the very first thing they have is a staunch idea they're like it's the deep state i'm coming online right and you watch them come online and that's exactly what would need to happen so it does and so this kiss of escape was labeled by people like king james the osculum and fame the kiss of shame and it was considered an invocation in the rites of joining the pact with the devil. And what does that really mean? If you think about what the eye is, the devil would be the body. When the strictest eye has this Puritan approach, it sees its body as the devil. And to return to the body would be to return to the devil. So all of, this is what I mean by the trauma oracle. The oracle is telling you exactly what's happening psychologically. It's telling you this is the process that goes that we go through. But the goat the goat's job wasn't done. You know, so much of Gnosticism goes back to this idea of the Androgyne. In fact, my latest book, Ark of Baphomet, which I, I really recommend, really goes through the history of, of the forms of God from, from the ocean all the way to the Pentagon. Like literally, like like every form that you've seen God, 
why it looks that way, how it looks that way. And at the heart of the deepest wisdom is this idea of the androgyne. And that as soon as the eye emerges, the eye begins to be very afraid because it starts to elicit its own kind of shame in its world, in its past, in its history. And that shame comes out in weird ways. It starts to act really fucking sensitive. And the entire time there's this secret underlying decryption that the more shame we have about our footprints, the more that shame protects those footprints. It's weird, right? It's the same thing as the Zazel. You would think that, that by declaring war on how evil we thought Azazel was, by literally killing a goat to how bad he was, that that would make him go away, but it didn't, and quite the opposite. It invented vitriol itself, and so too the very shame that we come from is the very shame that we end up protecting and keeping with us the whole time. It's a kind of encryption, believe it or not. And it, what's at the heart of secret societies is not that it keeps secrets, Huge point here. What's at the heart of secret societies is not that they keep secrets. What's at the heart of secret societies is that they declare something secret and they watch the entire world blossom to discover its secret. That is the reason why you start a secret society. Pythagoras wanted you to learn. All of these secret the Masons, the Templars, they wanted you to learn. Even if their shame is screaming no. Right? Because the oracle of trauma is sound and it's more accurate than you have ever been. And you know that because your pain shows you. You can see in the fucking dark when you use your pain. You know exactly what's coming. God bless you. And so this early idea of Baphomet, the goat man, the goat man itself, is always rooted in this idea of the androgyne. And this carving on the right, if you can see this, is a grave figure found on a number of supposed 13th century Templar artifacts of a Baphometic idol. Showcases this man with an Egyptian-themed sort of costume. Wearing a beard, wearing the horns of a goat, and the breasts of a woman. And the Aurora Borealis is wrapped around him, the beginning and the end. The entire Androgyne theme is just screaming. And this entire Androgyne theme is the at the birth of the very first things we've ever known. The oldest, the oldest Gnosis is Gnosticism. And if you believe in the Oracle of, 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 of Mythology, which you should... You would have no choice but to go back to the Gnosticism and say, what were you guys on about? What were you guys on about? And when you look, you start to see it. Hatshepsut, Egyptian pharaoh, wore a false beard, postage. The sign of a sovereign leader with gender blind in ancient Egypt. Right? And that most of the uh, sarcophagus that you see bear this gold chin, chin strap. And from the year 3000 BC on, the Gnostics have been right in front of your face. This is Gnosticism. This is the androgyne. This is the Baphomet. Now, I'm not going to go down the Egypt path because you need to read my book for that because there's a lot. But Baphomet's all over Egypt. and We're not doing this episode. But it's all over and it all comes through this androgyne figure. Hatshepsut is not the only one. This is just the one that I could find the best picture on right now. 
And whether you're a male or a female, you still wore the pretend beard, the fake beard, and that same fake beard is hermaphroditus. Hermaphroditus, what is that? Hermes and, and Aphrodite combined? The horned Venus, right? What is the horned Venus? A woman with a beard. The horned Venus. How could you showcase that in a world where the eye would smash any, any sculpture that has the Priapus, right? What's the Priapus down between your pants, right? No more, guys, stop building giant obelisks that look like a phallus and like, you know, Reggie's phallus factory, you know, they lost, they had a family business going where that's all they did was constructing phalluses all day long. And what happens? The eye emerges and the eye gets enough plasma where it starts to feel shame and it starts to say, can you stop worshiping a penis? That's all you go on about is penis. And Reggie's like, hey, what the fuck's wrong with penis? And you start to look for different symbols that you can, that you can say, but, but the, the meaning is still there. And so you end up with this idea of the horned pharaoh, the hermaphroditus. And it's all, it's all from Gnosticism. It's all from this androgyne. It's all over the place. In every culture. This is the winged hermaphroditus right here. Hermaphrodite with wings. And if you do enough digging, you read into Salmachus and hermaphroditus, the story of what hermaphroditus is, this idea that, that this... Uh, there's actually two different mythologies, but the idea that there's some sort of fountain. There's some sort of fountain of eternal something. And let's call it youth for now. But if you go into this fountain, you no longer need to sexually reproduce with someone else. And that you can bathe in this fountain and become the androgyne. There's a story about it. And that the fountain of youth would be this same concept, wouldn't it? Why? Well, James, how can the fountain of youth equal the fountain of hermaphroditus? Because the hermaphrodite does not need to seek fertility. The concept of the hermaphrodite, right? It's the concept of selfing, reproducing yourself. The fountain of youth, the liquid that gives you immortality, was the fountain of Salmachus. And when you look at what what is Baphomet really mean, it could mean the baptism of Metis. The baptism in this fountain Of this eternal youth. Metis, as you may know, is the equivalent of Themis. Metis is the mother of Athena. And what is Athena but Gnostic wisdom? Which means the Greeks were saying, no, we're not running away from this idea. We're doubling down. We're literally declaring that Athena herself is the horned Venus. And that Themis, if you if you have seen read the book or seen our other episodes, you know there's so much here about Prometheus and Themis. And that this Baphomet himself is is the same same link. But James, I've never seen a bearded Athena. I know you haven't. The same way you don't walk around seeing a Reggie's phallus palace 
right? You don't see Discount Phallus Palace by Reggie. You don't see the statues. Why? Because they were taken down. Why? Because they're offensive. So many statues. Literally, most churches were decorated with giant genitals. You walk in the door, there's like a giant gaping hole. I would say look it up, but you got to have to read it up. You can't even find the pictures anymore. Why? Because as soon as you try and show that picture, it's, it's, it's considered, oh, you're, you're showing pornography. The androdyne is pornography, which means all of Gnosticism is pornographic. Do you understand? And when you have this culture that insists it's pornographic, you have no choice but to rely on the witches that hope to fuck will stick a stick between their legs and go out in the woods and tap into the circuit of the land and fucking keep us alive until enough of our eye comes along that can come online that can actually see what's been happening, right? That can actually watch what's been happening. So don't tell me that there wasn't a beard, Athena, because there was. Because in the ancient Anatolian region of Caria, the people of Pedusus had an interesting and unique way of surviving the turbulent times of history with the help of the priestesses of the local temple of Athena, Pedusus could often predict when danger was imminent. The ancient Greek historian Herodotus, which I know is a sketchy source, but I want you to hear that this is still inside the vernacular, wrote that briefly described the peculiar, most likely folkloric defense mechanism that was reportedly used by Pedasus were bearded ladies. So to catch you up, the island of Athena utilizes bearded ladies for their protection that they invoked for protection the concept of a bearded lady. More accurately, holy bearded ladies. Herodotus wrote that when trouble was approaching, the priestess of Athene of Pedusus would grow a long beard. When the people... Well, uh, well, Herodotus, you just said that, that the priestess would grow a long beard. Yes. Yes, that is what Herodotus just wrote, and he has offered no sentence in between of... Yes, that is what I said. He just moves right on through as if it was all completely normal, which is exactly what Herodotus does. Anyway, whenever the people of Pedusa saw that their priestess was bearded, they would send out messages of warning to their neighbors and allies to prepare for an incoming threat. The Herodotus himself sounded a bit skeptical. He noted that uh, apparently the warning of danger worked three times. I'm clearing my throat. Hang on. Okay, so deep in the island of Athena worship, their most sacred form of magical protection is to grow a beard. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? It'll tell you something in here a sec. You know why? Because Medusa herself was depicted as having a beard. Who is Medusa? <clears throat> Do you realize that Medusa came from the family of Gorgon? Do you realize that the family of Gorgon was known to be the most beautiful women of the Mediterranean? Did you know that Medusa herself served at the temple of, drumroll, Athena? Athena. And here we are seeing Athena as a bearded woman. Fascinating, right? Now I want you to understand that Athena is Egyptian. What? What did you just say, James? Athena is Egyptian. 
and the Gnosticism of this all. Muddy footprints all over the floor. You see it. Look at them. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. If you're not sure, you can look up Mattis. Some people will, will claim that that the Mattis is not the same that the Baphomet's talking about. I, I have no objection to that. I, I, I really can't tell you. I more think this is the oracle of our own mythology that's kind of acting out, but I just wanted you to see this. But even more importantly, I really want you to understand this point. I want you to think about what Azazel was. Azazel was this psychic, pranic source of belief that was out in the desert that was the source of all of our village's problems. And that Baphomet is Mohammed. Mohammed and Baphomet had their origins in the same place, which is scapegoatism. Muhammad was the scapegoat, and Muhammad is the scapegoat, was the one who lived in the desert, right? Right? The desolate place in the land of Shiner, right? Purposely the place where the Tower of Babel used to live, which is the evilest, most worst place you could be. And that this goat jinn, right? The, the Islamic word for demon, jinn, this goat man jinn, Mohammed, Mehmet, became the Baphomet. And that the worshiping of the Baphomet was actually worshiping Azazel, which in actually, in fact, was worshiping our own trauma. Boom. Now, here's what's profound. As if this wasn't profound. If you don't find it profound, hey, maybe this channel ain't for you. But here's what's even more profound about all of this. Um, if I can find my mouse. Come on, man. Where's my mouse? Man, that sucks. Mm, come on. Here we go. Baphomet was Joseph. Hear me out. James, how the fuck are you trying to tell me Baphomet was Joseph? I'm trying to tell you Baphomet was Joseph because who did Gabriel visit? Who did the angel Gabriel visit? He visited two people, visited two people that we know of. One was Joseph. He's like, dude, listen, man. I know you don't like cucks, right? I totally get that. But hear me out. And Gabriel has a coming of, coming upness with Joseph where explains to him what's about to be asked of him. And what does he explain? He explains to him that you are, are going to raise a new kind of wisdom in the world, a new kind of light. And you don't get to have sex with Mary. In fact, if you have sex with her, it's going to ruin the whole thing. And Joseph's like, what? Like, yeah, I told you. This is a big ask, says Gabriel. But... I remind you, I fucking got winks. I'm literally the angel Gabriel. I can do these things. Who else did Gabriel, who else did Gabriel consult with? He consulted with Mohammed. Gabriel visited Mohammed in the desert and explained to him that he had a purpose. And what was that purpose? He was to bring the eye online 
What is Gabriel telling Joseph? You are here to bring the eye online. And I want you to see that within the story of the Virgin Mary, the only one that could corrupt this story would be Joseph. And that corruption would happen through this carnal corruption, which goes back to the land of the giants. And again, read my book. But you can start to see why we were starting to detest all things. All things carnal, all things shiner, all things from that place, because it was the antithesis of the I coming online, of our self coming online. Yes, thank you, Mile. Gabriel, the messenger of God, Hermes, informing his boy. Muhammad himself, you could argue, is Hermes or Mercury or however you want to look at it, right? And you're looking at the exact same figure. And when you castigate this figure, when you are trying to build your Christian faith, the first thing you need is an Azazel. Sorry, when you're trying to build your Judaic faith, your pre-Christian faith, the first thing you need is an Azazel, a scapegoat. And that scapegoat is the one who will not reproduce. That scapegoat is the one who will have to cuck to something different. It's a, when you start to understand what it takes to bring the psychology of I online, you can start to understand why we found it so important to treat ourselves like shit. And that really the birth of Christianity could not have been built without the birth of Islam, and that the birth of Islam could not have been built without Christianity, and that those two things the very same patriarchal bones of Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob are buried in the same cave, the cave of the patriarchs. And what's funny is, do you know who has the key to that cave? Jews. Jews. It's the most second important religious site in Jewish culture is the cave of the patriarchs. And so you start to see that the castigation of each other was the only reason why, that made these sprouts go, grow, which is exactly how the Crusades work, exactly how scapegoat technology works. Right? Exact same, it's the exact same technology. It's a prawn economy that you have to understand. And you have to understand that the system kind of works backwards from how you thought the circuit should work. Azazel, yes, Oman, not only did Azazel bring knowledge to humans, though, I want you to understand that Azazel held the knowledge of humans. He literally held the knowledge because it was inside his genes. Baphomet was the Ark of the Tower of Babel, the Migdale, the preservation. So the Ark of the preservation, the vessel of the preservation would be the vessel of remembering. And if you were trying to forget, you must demonize that which remembers, right? So I'm not trying to correct you. I'm just trying to say it's even more than that. It was the only one that was protecting it, the same way the shame oracle works. And so we developed this idea. Those who, these are initiates at the bottom of La Diablo or the devil card, right? Naked initiates uh, participating in Bacchus rituals, wearing their old horns. And what are they doing? They're worshiping literally Baphomet himself, the image of Baphomet himself. 
the scapegoat himself, the very scapegoat created by Judaic thought. <laughs> the irony, right? Exact same figure from the same people. And of course, George Washington, GMW, of course. This is Kono Takarius, the village burner. This man was known for his ability to kill Indians. He would solve or coagulate the fuck out of anyone. And it's a different kind of natural law. And it's a kind of a natural law that we don't, we like to pretend isn't really there, but it is. Do you know what natural law runs on? I figured this out yesterday. Natural law runs on entitlement. You feel, the, the, red, the red squirrels feel entitled to the peanuts. That's why they go for them. And they will, they will steal that in front of a gray squirrel that's four times as large because they feel entitled. The seagull feels entitled to the hot dog. It is entitlement. And we preach a psychology that's exactly the opposite of that entitlement. It's exactly the opposite. And that's the eye coming online. Which is always trying to remove itself. Parts of it are. Your pancreas could be. I like. I don't like the eye. You guys, you're a fucking idiot. I, I liked it back in the old days, where I could go about pancreating as I saw fit. And of course, we moved to all this shame. I had no choice but to tap into this Templar scapegoat technology. And you know what? I can't tell you about it right now. There's too much to go over. And I, I hope that you will uh, you'll come back next time because I got an airship. And I want to go to the airship. And this stuff should should be able to uh, to percolate more, I think. Because there's more to this than you might think. The uh, Athena connection... I would like for you to picture that Athena and Medusa were the same ilk, the same blood. And that Perseus, the symbol of victory, was coming to distinguish wisdom. And Athena knew he was coming. Do you know why Athena knew he was coming? Because she held Nike in her hands and she ignored it. The statue of Athena, she's holding Nike on her hands and Nike is one-fifth her size. Victory means nothing to Athena. Which means that survival itself is not really as important. Why? Because that would go against the Gnostic idea of the gnosis of it all. Only the ones that are stuck in the fertility, the ones that are playing with Pan, have that concept of victory. It's a corruption of Gnosticism. It's a corruption of Gnosis is what it is. And it takes a while to understand that because our eyes are still coming online, right? Thank you all for being here. Appreciate it. Would love it if you leave a comment, if you found this uh, enlightening or not. Um, in the comments, if you find uh, different words that you think are relative to the stream, that always helps too. I hope to see you tonight on High Magic. Um, I'm 99% sure we are on on that. Sorry for last week. We had to postpone it one day. But if you missed that, we did do another show. It just happened Saturday instead. But I think we're on for tonight. And uh, thank you for being here. And we will see you guys. Oh, 
Oh, sorry, I just shouted in the mic. Guys, guys, you, you got to check out this album. You got to check out this album. Innoc oh, thank you, Graham. Look at this. Thank you so much. You got to check out this album. Um, Innocent Outlaw and Spectral Valkyrie, two very, very talented people, have uh, released an album. And that album can be found. I'm wanting to know if someone is. I bet you Moth has already told you. I don't know. Moth, I'm sorry. I cannot find it right now. But can you. Can one of you find that? You got to check out. It's on uh, Bandcamp. It's $7. You can have the whole album. And these guys rock. They they sang the best apocalypse ever. Uh, this, this album actually uh, deals with uh, uh, Prometheus. Um, they've teamed up with a, a writer who, who puts out a lot of great work on Prometheus. You've got to check this out. These guys are great. A really, really talented bunch. Um, thank you. Yeah, there it is. Can you guys see Shipmoth's link there? Innocentoutlaw.bandcamp.com slash album slash Promethean, right? Promethea, Promethea Ion. Promethea, I'm trying to tell you how to spell it. I'm phonetically saying it, just so you know. Uh, thanks for being here. Hope you have a great Friday. Hope to see you tonight. Hope you found it. I already said I hope you found it interesting. So there you go. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Medusa was framed. If you read Technology Belief, you'll see that story. <laughs> <laughs>